0: Would you turn back to John 3? Tonight, I'm going to be preaching on this subject. What does the Bible mean by imputation? That word is found 113 times in the Old Testament, 41 times in the New Testament. What's it mean? What does the Bible mean by imputation? John chapter 3. This is the Lord's reply to the question Nicodemus posed when he said, how can these things be? He said in verse 11, verily, verily, truly, truly, amen, amen, I say unto thee. We speak that we do know and testify that we have seen. Nicodemus asks, how can these things be? And his answer is not an explanation as to how they can be. But that it is. You know, the Bible doesn't so much explain things, it proclaims things that we're called upon to believe and to receive. The Lord was not stating an opinion, (laughs) the Lord doesn't have opinions. Everything he says is absolute truth. I got a question. What does the Lord mean when he says, We speak that we do know? Who's the we? Who is included in this we of which he speaks? Well, if we said, well, he's talking about the three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our own image, I sure wouldn't say that's not what he's saying. But when he says, we speak that which we do know, we testify that which we have seen, He's speaking of himself and every other believer. The whole company of the elect. Remember when he said, thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. When the Lord speaks, we speak that we do know. We testify that which we have seen. This is him and every other believer. We speak that we do know. This is not simply my opinion. Don't you hate it when somebody states their opinions as if they were facts? I do it all the time. At least that's what Aubrey tells me. uh, um, But the Lord Never speaks an opinion. And when he says, We speak that we do know, this is every other believer speaking too. We speak that we do know and testify that which we have seen. We're bearing personal witness to what we ourselves have seen. Every believer can say, We know. We know. This is what God's Word teaches. This is in us. We know it. This is our experience. This is our testimony. We speak that which we know and testify that which we have seen. Every believer knows. And no unbeliever knows. I want you to meditate on that. Every believer knows. No unbeliever knows. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 19, John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us, but you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Here's a good know-it-all. He says to every believer, you have an unction, you have an anointing, from the Holy One. And you know all things. Look what he says in verse 21. I've not written unto you because you know not the truth. But because you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. When a believer hears the truth. He knows it. He knows it's true as soon as he hears it. He may never have heard it articulated. But it's in him. And he knows. He knows. You know all Things. Verse twenty-seven of the same chapter, but the anointing which you have received of him where you know all things, it abides in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. Now, you have anointing every believer, to where you know. So when the Lord says we speak that which we do know and testify that which we have seen, (laughs) we do. The word know is in the perfect tense and it means to perceive with the eyes or any other of the senses It means to experience. It means to understand. It means to know the definite meaning. It means to cherish. It means to regard. You know. You cherish what you know. You regard what you know. You experience what you know. You know all things. The Lord says, we speak that which we do know. This is not opinions. This is fact. We speak that which we do know and testify that which we have seen. Now, there are a lot of scriptures where we read the word I know and you don't but we're not going to look at those as important as they are we're going to look at the scriptures that say we know and this will speak to the very depths of the heart of every believer they'll say yeah I know I know it's more than an agreement well, I guess I agree with that. I can see that. No, we know. We know. Now, sometimes the uh, word is translated knowing, but it's the same uh, way it is in the original. It's uh, When it says knowing, it's in the plural. We know. Sometimes it says we are sure, which is the same thing when you know you're sure. We know. That's what I want us to look at. And I've entitled this message, We no. And if I am a believer, when I hear these things, I say, We know. We know. Turn with me to Romans chapter 2. Verse 2. But we are sure. That's the actually the same in the original. We know, but it means the same thing. We're sure. Are you sure? Yep. We are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such. Things. Verse one. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. To judge does not mean that we should not listen to what we're seeing and see if it's according to the word of God. You better judge in that sense. You better find out if what you're hearing is according to the truth of Scripture. Judge it in that sense. It doesn't mean we don't have a moral opinion of right and wrong. It doesn't mean that. But it's looking at someone, whatever they did, and judging them as if you wouldn't have done it. What it says. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest, doest the same things. What you're judging those people for? You do present tense and we're sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them that do such things we know any judgment we make against any man we know we know that any judgment we make against any man is pure hypocrisy on our part Because we commit the same sins we're judging others for and we believe God's judgment is just. You know what that means? We have no claims on God. None at all. I can't say, Lord, you've got to do this because I did that. We have no claims on God. If God passes me by, just and holy is his name. And we know that. We know that. Do you know that? Romans 3. Verse 19. Now we know. There it is. There it is. We, collectively, every believer knows this, we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. What happens when your mouth is stopped? You don't have any excuses. You're taking personal responsibility for your sin. My sin, my sin, not talking about somebody else's. My sin is all my fault. I can't blame it on God. I can't blame it on my circumstances. I can't blame it on my environment. I can't blame it on my upbringing. All my sin is my fault. And my mouth is stopped in justifying myself before God. All my sin is my fault. No excuses. We stand guilty before God. We know. Do you know that? As your mouth been stopped before God. We know. We know. Turn to Romans 6. Verse 9. Knowing, and there once again that's in the plural, it can just as easily and truthfully be translated, we know, we know, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. We know that the resurrection of Christ the fact that God raised him from the dead, he's not going to die anymore because he rendered complete satisfaction to God. We know that. We know nothing else is needed. Let's go on reading. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. What he did was successful. And you know, we know that because we know who he is. This is really the, this is the bottom line. We know who he is. He can't fail. He can't attempt to do something. And his will not be done. It's impossible because of who he is. We know him. Everything we believe is predicated on who he is. For in that he died. Verse 10. He died unto sin once. But in that he liveth. God raised him from the dead. He lives He lives uh, unto God likewise, verse 11 Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed, truly, in reality, unto sin, but alive unto God through our Lord Jesus Christ. His death was a success. I'm dead to sin. Sin has nothing to say to me. Why? Because Christ died. Because he's raised from the dead. He died once. He got the job done. Whatever it was he was intending to do, he did. Reckon yourselves to be dead and to sin for this reason. You really are dead to sin. We know because of who he is. That his work is sufficient. We don't need anything else. You know that. I don't need to add my works to his work. I'm complete. In the Lord Jesus Christ. We know. That. Romans chapter 7. Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. God's perfect law, the Ten Commandments, they're spiritual, they're holy, they're perfect, they're glorious. They reflect the character of God. Every commandment reflects His perfection. It's utterly spiritual. It's utterly glorious. We know That the law is spiritual, but I, now notice how he goes from we to I. We know that the law is spiritual, but I, we know this too, I am carnal. and here's what that means sold under sin we know that the law is spiritual glorious I he didn't say I used to be carnal He didn't say I was carnal before God saved me. As a matter of fact, he didn't find out he was carnal until God did save him. You see, an unbeliever cannot understand this. You know why they can't understand this? They don't have a holy nature, they don't know what sin is. They can't make, they don't have this recognition of themselves. The law is spiritual. I am carnal. Sold as a slave. To sin. That's what that word means. Sold. Look what he says in verse 18. I know Romans chapter 7. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth what? No good thing. Do you know that? We know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Look in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I love this verse of scripture. And we know. Look at the confidence with which he speaks this. And we know. You see, if you know the character of God, you know this is what it's got to be. This is knowing God. Knowing God, and this is the same thing. If you know God, you know this. Somebody says, I don't know this. Well, then you don't know God. If you know God, you know this. And we know. This lines up with the character of God. This lines up with the gospel. I mean, if God is who he says he is in his word, this has got to be so. I mean, there's, a, there's no other options here. There's, a, there's no other reality. And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We know God is a God of purpose, and his purpose can't be thwarted. It can't be thwarted. His will's always done. Everything that happens in providence, he's in absolute control of. He's completely sovereign over the free and uncoerced actions of men. Everything that's going on in your mind right now, he's in control of. He's God. We know that. It couldn't be any other way. My soul, whom he did foreknow, then he also did predestinate. This goes right on with it. Look in verse 29. For who? For Here's how we know this. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. That's how complete his salvation is. I'm already glorified. That's what it says. We know. We know. all things work together for good. Now turn to first Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 12. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, the world that doesn't know God, that doesn't love God. We've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit, which is of God, that we might know the things that are, what's that next word? Freely. Freely. Given us. Of God. And this is something we know. Anything we have from God, he gave it to us freely. It's got to be that way. It's not according to my works. He did so freely by his grace. By grace are you saved, being justified freely by his grace. He that spared not his own son, but offered him up for us, delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also freely give us all things? Aren't you thankful that's the way it is? Free, free grace. Oh, if you knew the gift of God, how free it is. And who it is that says to you, give me the drink, you would have asked and he would have given. Free. Turn to 1 Corinthians 8. Now, like I said, these are things we just know as soon as we hear them, we know them. We know. He's taught us we know all things. And so when we hear the truth, even if we haven't heard it articulated uh, like this. We still know it so. Verse 1. Now as touching things offered into idols. We know. That we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. But charity. Edifies. And if any man think he knows anything. He knows nothing. Yet, as he ought to know. Now, we know we all have knowledge. We, we know some stuff. And we know this. Knowledge puffs up. Fills with pride. I know something you don't know. I've got an advantage over you. Knowledge puffs up. You know the scripture in John chapter 8, verse 32, you shall know the truth. I'm not speaking against knowledge. There's no salvation apart from knowledge. Amen? There's no salvation apart from knowledge. But I love the way the Lord said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Not your knowledge of the truth. I don't trust my knowledge. I trust him who is the truth. It's the truth himself who shall make you free. And you know that. The only way you can be free is if the truth himself makes you free. And you realize you're not saved by your knowledge. All your knowledge does is is tend to puff you up like like a dead animal. You know, it swells. That's that's our knowledge. Um, Knowledge puffs up. Charity builds up. You know that. Look in verse 4 of the same chapter. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols... We know, there it is, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, but that there is none other God but one. We know that an idol is nothing. We know any God that's not the God of this book is nothing more than an idol, non-existent the figment of man's depraved imagination. We know the only God is the God of this book. We know that. And we know anything contrary to the God this book reveals is nothing more than a non-existent idol. The God of free will, the God of works religion, he doesn't exist. There's one God, the living God. The living and true God, and anything else that's not Him, we know is an idol, non-existent. Turn to Second Corinthians five, verse one. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, if when we die this body is destroyed. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We know this. You know what that means? We know this is not all there is, don't we? We know that. This is not all there is, this life of vanity. This is not all there is. We know that we have a building of God. I love that song, Waiting for my body that'll never sin. I'm waiting for that. And I know you know, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we have all been most miserable. And that's so. But oh, we're waiting for that body that will never sin. Look what he goes on to say about it. For in this body we groan, verse 2, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so, being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened. Not for that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. And we're groaning for that, aren't we? Groaning to be perfectly conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We know this is is just temporary. Strangers and pilgrims in this world. And we're waiting for something much more glorious. We know. Galatians chapter two I know I'm giving a lot but maybe you can think about them more. Galatians chapter two verse 16 knowing and once again that is the same uh, con- grammatical construction as in the as we know it's, it's, this is in the plural we know same thing we know. Now, this is something we have no doubt about. (laughs) We're sure of this. We know that a man is not justified by the works of the law. We know that. It's not improbable for him to be justified by the works of the law. It's impossible. We know that because God's word teaches it. Because no man can be saved by his works. We're evil. We're sinful. We know that. We can't save ourselves. We know that. We know that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't have a King James Version, it probably says by faith in Christ. That's a wrong translation. We're justified by the faith. Of Christ. His faithfulness. His obedience. Somebody had to believe God perfectly, and it wasn't me or you. He did. Oh, he did. We know that, don't we? We know we're justified by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And not, he repeats it again, not by the works of the law. We know of salvation were dependent upon us doing something before we could be saved, we would not be saved. We know that, don't we? We know that we're justified by the faith of Jesus Christ, not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law there shall no flesh be justified. We know that and we cherish that. We regard that. And we know it's so. I just know it's so. I'm not stating an opinion. I'm not giving my thoughts. I know this is so. The Lord said we know. I turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. I just got a few more. 1 Timothy chapter 1. This is, um, this is so plain. It, it's almost humorous. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 8, 1 Timothy 1, verse 8, but we know, there it is again, that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, if a man use it the right way. Before I read uh, the rest of this, back there, we've got that box. That's where people put their money. Guess guess what we got on it? A lock. Don't you trust everybody in here? I hope I do, but I know this. (laughs) I'd rather have a lock on it. (laughs) Uh, What's the point? Well, would we need a lock if everybody in here was perfectly righteous? Would we need a law? No. You see, that lock is for thieves, (laughs) not for righteous people. Keep the lock on the box. (laughs) I like what Joe McSherry once said. We want to keep people honest. That's why we put those locks there. People don't, that'll keep them honest. Good advice, Joe. Um, Now, let's go on reading with that in mind. Verse 9. Knowing, there's that word again, knowing this. That the law was not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly, for sinners, for unholy, for profane, for murders of fathers, murders of mothers, manslayers, whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured person, if there be any other thing that's contrary to sound doctrine. If I need law, all I expose myself as is a criminal. Law never produces love. Only resentment that I'm not measuring up. Oh, but his perfect love to me, that produces love. The lawful use of the law. Hebrews 10. Now, I'm looking at every one of these verses. I've looked, I hope I haven't overwhelmed everybody with too much information. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30. For we know him that said vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord should judge his people. Now... He said in verse 28, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy, a common thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. We know him that said, Vengeance belongeth to me. We know it. Finally, turn to 1 John 3. I've got several verses in 1 John chapter 3, but I want us to not gonna make a lot of comment on them. Verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we know, we know, such is the glory and excellency of his person. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, one view of him as he is, will conform us to his image. That is the glory of his person. Once again, this is knowing who he is. When he shall appear, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. When he appears, we know we'll be just like him. Look in verse 14 of the same chapter. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abides in death. Now, you can, so we know, if we're believers, we know that we can be totally different from somebody in every other respect, opinions, thought, but if that person loves Christ, we love them, don't we? We love them. And we pass from death to life. We love the brethren. Somebody, oh, may I. Forget all the other differences. I mean, there's people here that are just different, different, different thoughts, different uh, opinions, different. uh. But everybody that loves Christ loves each other because they love him. And anybody that loves Christ, they're number one in my book. I love that person that loves the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I esteem them highly. I love them. They're great. Great. Chapter 5, we have three we knows, and this is what we'll end with. Verse 18, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. We know that. Whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Not but he that's begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Is Jesus Christ incapable of sin? Is Jesus Christ impeccable? You know, I've heard people say, well, maybe he wasn't, because where would there be any moral virtue in his obedience if he, if he just was not able to sin? That's plumb dumb. I mean, it really is. You ought not even think there's no moral virtue in his obedience because he's obeying his nature. Why, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Christ is impeccable. He couldn't sin. He knew no sin. He was not capable of sin. God's not capable of sin. And that which is born of him, the new birth. As Christ is impeccable, the new birth is impeccable because it comes from him. And we know that. Anything that comes from him must be holy. Amen? We know that. Verse 19. Here's the second we know. And we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Now we know if we know him, it's because of him. We're of him. Of him are you in Christ Jesus. We are of God. I know that if I believe the gospel, there's only one reason. It's because I'm of God. He did something for me. And anything that's contrary to that lies in wickedness. We know that, don't we? And then the final, verse 20. And we know. This is not merely an opinion. We know that the Son of God has come. Come. "...and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that's true, and we are in him that's true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God, and eternal life." Now listen to this. We know him that's true. This is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, Jesus Christ whom thou sent. We know him that's true." And if you know him that's true, here's all you want. You're in him that's true. That's the very desire of your heart. If you know him, here's your desire that you might be in him. Oh, that I may win Christ and be found in him. When God comes looking for me, may I only be found in Jesus Christ so that all God sees is Jesus Christ. This is the true God. This is eternal life. We speak that we do know and testify that which we have seen. Let's pray. Lord, how we Thank you for our Redeemer, how we thank you for him whom we know, and that we speak that which we know because you've made it known, and testify what we've seen. Lord, we pray for your blessing on us, that you'd speak to us, that you'd keep us. We pray for your blessing on our homes, on our On this church, wherever your people meet together, we pray for your blessing. Bless this word for Christ's sake. In his name we pray.